Hello, and welcome to Making Problems to Solve, the podcast about curiosity, creativity, and problem solving. I'm Dave, and today I'm talking to Jill Jacobs, a sculptor who, um, as far as I can tell, uh, has been working mainly in metal these days. How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Cool. All right. So um, I usually like to get started and kind of explore how you discovered you were a creative person. Um, did you have a creative family growing up? Um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a few creatives, um, in my ancestral line. Um, but I, I think I've always been creative ever since I was little, you know, I was, had a very robust imagination as a little girl and, um, used to choreograph dances and write short stories about witches. And then, um, my parents always put me in, uh, you know, summer art classes um and got into drawing and painting that way um and my aunt was actually both my aunts uh were incredibly creative and um took an interest in me that way so my aunt would put a paintbrush in my hand and showed me how watercolors can be affected if there's you know a dry brush versus a little bit of water and then she would kind of push the limits of that and being like you know, what if you sprinkle salt on the canvas or <laughs> what if you paint with a sponge instead of a brush and kind of to to take the, you know, traditional painting and then how can you continue to evolve it and make it your own and continue to experiment? Okay. So you just, you were able to kind of explore a lot of different uh, avenues of creativity, you know, just growing up and with the, uh, you know, people around you. Yeah, I mean, like once I got to high school and you have set electives, um, I took a 3D art class there and got introduced to clay and paper mache. And um, that's where I first got my hands on wire, which, you know, I thought that I got into my metal working into 3D once I got to college. And then when I thought about it a little bit more, I realized that it really originated in that class. Um, and I made like a little bird and an octopus and actually like a little vessel out of wire um, and really enjoyed it. But um, after that, I realized that I wanted to pursue art and decided that all of my electives throughout school needed to be art in order to get into art school. And I think a few different people um, encouraged me to go the 2D path that I got a better chance of getting into school with a 2D portfolio. And so I listened to them um, and kind of got away from 3D. And um, it wasn't until college when I was told I needed to take literally every possible medium that I got reintroduced to sculpture and it just lit up my eyes and completely clicked and kind of never looked back. Oh, that's great. Um, so when you decided you wanted to pursue art more as a, you know, career, um, what made you, you know, I think that that was a, an option, like what, you know, it sounds like you, the people who you were, you know, your teachers or whoever kind of encouraged you to pursue that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've always had pretty supportive people um, around me. Actually, as a profession, I am working as a visual designer. Um, okay. And so, yeah, for my for my day job, um, I work digitally and kind of. It was always very important to me that I was independent and that I could support myself and uh, getting into marketing and graphic design felt like a great way to be creative um, while still, you know, being able to pay my rent. Um, and so that has still today been a really great um, way for me to still have that outlet um, and has allowed my sculpture pursuit to kind of be its own thing and take its time because to not have to monetize it right away, I think has given me a lot of flexibility to be able to feel like I'm able to be more, um, uh, to experiment more. Yeah, that's great. So, and your daytime pursuit of, you know, the visual design, it doesn't 
really overlap a lot with your sculpture and 3D and stuff in the real world. So, you know, it's not like if you come home from work, you, <laughs> you know, have to do go back and do the same thing as you were doing at work. So it's great that you're yeah. able to um, separate those two things. For sure. It's also nice because, you know, staring at a screen all day and then I can go mm-hmm. and work with my hands and just, you know, kind of get half outside with the garage door open is really nice. But I am surprised how much overlap I do find between the two. I mean, with my design work, I find myself still really drawn to shapes and developing a shape language and playing with patterns. Um, and obviously, if you look at my sculpture work, I'm just obsessed with shapes and all the different ways that you can combine them to make new ones. So yeah, I definitely noticed that about your work. It definitely seems like there's a lot of like basis in geometric shapes, but you know, combining them in different ways. It's not, you know, they're not strictly geometric, but you can see the, you know, the foundation of where they came from. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, I do love that you can take basic building blocks and even just have one repeat, you know, if you take a circle and you make six of them, how many different designs can you make with just one basic shape? I mean, it's it's pretty endless. Um, you know, in art school, I think that you're encouraged to do a lot of iterations. I had projects and stuff where you create 50 thumbnails for the same project. And to kind of take that both in my design work and in my sculpture, um, you know, that your first idea might not always be the strongest and to um, to play away play around with all the different ways that something can come to life. Right. Yeah. You definitely have to explore all the different possibilities and get out all the obvious, um, obvious ideas first, and then (laughs) look at different ways to combine things to come up with a unique solution to the problem. Yeah, exactly. Did you go to school for graphic design or, you know, that type of thing? No, um, I actually was in the fine art program at my school. Um, and minored in philosophy, which was a really fun way to combine my interest in, I mean, my interest in my art has always been um, very intertwined with my interest in philosophy and the conceptual and spiritual and, um, you know, getting to that deeper meaning, even if it's not something that my viewer takes away, you know, it's something that I play with a lot. Um, and, you know, kind of use my art as a way to continue building my own philosophies. Oh, I like that. I'm not sure that I know exactly um, <laughs> if I have a philosophy or not. It's kind of more, uh, I think it, I think I discover the philosophy after I make the thing, kind of look at it from the opposite direction. Yeah, that that is something that I've been incredibly interested in um well first of all i think everyone has a philosophy i think that (laughs) your belief system and what you value um is your philosophy and i think the fact that you're a creative person and that you express yourself in so many different creative ways including this podcast um you know shows that um but yeah i i used to struggle with that a lot of feeling like a piece either needed to start with a really strong concept and then figure out what the aesthetics were going to be. And then it always felt like the visuals weren't going to be as strong because I wanted this concept that was super abstract and then couldn't really figure out how to bring it to life in a still, you know, still follow visual principles. Um, But then when I came up with something that felt really aesthetically cool, um, then I felt like I was kind of retrofitting a concept to it with which felt like a little inauthentic to what I was trying to do. I didn't want to be like, Oh yeah, this was about that when it really wasn't. (laughs) Um, And so it's only been like in the last few months that I think I've been able to kind of meld the two a lot more effectively. Um, Being able to like sit with an idea for longer. Um, You know, I used to come up with something and then immediately draw it and then try to basically create it as quickly as I could. I think I used to have a lot of need for productivity wrapped up in my creation too. Um, But now when I come up with a new idea, although it usually starts visual, I try to kind of keep 
playing around with it in my mind's eye and just kind of build it in my head multiple times before I even put anything on paper because it it becomes real once you've drawn it. Um, And so to let it kind of marinate mentally, I think has allowed me to start developing the concept in tandem with the visual output. Um, I don't know. It just, it just is allowing myself time um, for it to come together organically. Yeah. I think I've talked to some people who feel the same way. Like if you start drawing immediately, then you've kind of, you know, locking yourself into, you know, a solution and you're not sure that's the, best solution there might be something more creative and it might go somewhere else if you kind of give it more space to grow um how do you keep track of the idea if you don't write it down um or you don't draw it um how do you like make sure you don't lose it because i'm i think that i would be worried that if i don't at least write something down even if it's just a couple of words or a concept that i want to start with that i'll lose something because i have too many things going on in my brain yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, I think I think one solution has been like a kind of obsessive model of of playing it over a lot. And usually I get these ideas when I can't fall asleep at night. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, then I'll, as I said, kind of like build it and rebuild it. Um, but I do find that it also helps to start with words that um, if you see any of my initial sketches, like there is one crappy little sketch and then written notes all over it, like asking myself questions and problem solving and coming up with the concept behind it and playing around with all the different ways that this one idea could come to life. So I think sometimes even just jotting down a note, even if there's no sketch with it, um, that can help. But I also feel like maybe if you have an idea and it, you know, evades you by the morning, maybe it wasn't that strong to begin with, or it will come back around, you know, in some new light or something like that. So sometimes it's okay to let them go. Right. Yeah. You're always going to have new ideas and the ones that, you know, keep coming back or that you can't stop thinking about it. Those are the ones that, you know, that's the most important thing to, to work on and focus on at that time. That makes sense. Um, yeah. It's just, I just know that I often like, we'll have an idea. And if I, haven't written it down or something then i'll remember that i had an idea and <laughs> but i won't remember what it was and then i'll kind of like, just like that'll you. Me, yeah so yeah especially if i have an idea like if i'm falling asleep i usually will just write down any kind of note or something just so i know because i know that when i wake up i'll remember that i had an idea but not what it was so. <laughs> does it usually come out with words with you or do you usually sketch them um if, stuff like that i usually We'll just write down the concept and, or if I have a sketch, it'll just be like the most, you know, simple, uh, thing. It's just a couple of shapes that's, so it will remind me that I need to work on that later. Yeah. That's awesome. I know I have so many sketchbooks full of ideas that have never come to life. And then I always think that they, they will come to life at some point in time, but I also have this thought that like maybe ideas have a shelf life or like even a half life that when I write it down or when I sketch it then I have a certain amount of time to execute it otherwise it's going to lose its energy or I'm not going to be as excited about it or the concept doesn't resonate with me as much anymore and I kind of just lose steam so I think that's the other reason why I try to like keep it in my head if I haven't actualized it even just like once I see it I'm like you know, I've tried to do some 3D rendering and stuff to bring it to life before actually making it. And then I'm like, cool, I made it. I can see it. And then I'm right. not actually interested in, in making it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you do a lot of problem solving, um, you know, in as the shape and how the things fit together while you're building them? Yeah, for sure. Um I mean, I, my professor in college was amazing. And um, one thing he said is that your sketch should never look like your final piece. Um, And so he always encouraged that level of um, kind of spontaneity and um, spur of the moment creativity and like allowing things to not work 
or putting something together and being willing to, you know, chop it off or, or start over if it's not working. Um, and so even in the sketch phase, I'm writing down like all of the possible iterations and all the questions, you know, if I'm worried about if something's gonna balance or actually, you know, fit together well, um, you know, I'll, I'll have all those questions that way. And then um, more recently, I've started playing around with building maquettes. Like if I'm going to make a piece out of three eighth inch rod, I'll create a smaller version with quarter inch and start playing around with it and seeing how it's coming to life um, before actually putting it together in order to, you know, work out those problems before I make it real. Okay, that's interesting. Have you found that? things work like as you expect like when you scale it up does it have the same feeling does anything change when you scale it i mean yeah it it also it feels like a different process when i scale up like i have found working larger and with thicker steel i actually enjoy more it has this solidity uh to it that i i that i really like and so it just has more of a presence um and and so I, I've definitely seen that happen. Um, but I think I think sometimes it is worth sometimes I can over plan and it's worth just kind of going with it, even if it doesn't end up being my initial vision, because if you do too much planning and create it small first, then, you know, I think I can get deterred by what's hanging me up when you just have to kind of work through those problems. Um, and if you work through them in real time, instead of like trying to make it so that you figure out all the problems before you build the real thing, you're kind of like overly proofing it instead of just being willing to allow yourself to make mistakes because sometimes the problems that arise are actually blessings and you're going to come to a much more interesting solution than you otherwise would. Right. Yeah. You're just, you're discovering the piece through the process of, of building it till it's kind of like emerging from the process. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's one reason why I like working with vessels to begin with. I call my individual shapes vessels. And a lot of the way that I construct my art is to build those individual shapes and then put them all together to make a new piece and so it's really in the ways that those end up connecting that I think has the most spontaneity that I know what that initial vessel shape is going to be, but I don't quite know how they're going to fit together. And it's only once you start playing with them, like sometimes it'll just kind of settle right. And like, this sounds weird, but you can like feel like the piece wants to sit there. Like it's comfortable. Right. I'm not trying to weld it in some way that's forced, but kind of going with the gravity or going with the nature of the two vessels. Um, so I, I do like that kind of spur of the moment um, nature with that. Right. Yeah. If I'm looking at some of your pieces and, you know, these are basically, they're all three dimensional pieces. They're pretty much made out of like a consistent um, weight of material, like throughout. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. It's all, it's all either quarter, quarter inch or three eighths three agents um like it's basically steel steel rod that you're working with mm -hmm. right and it's interesting because you could imagine that you just built this up um you know like by building each next piece onto the whole structure but you're building like a bunch of parts that you then put together into the whole the whole piece so you're figuring out how they fit together exactly yeah cool do you um just, you know, just going through Instagram. I don't know if you have video of like how the process of you trying to figure out how it works together or do you just uh, <laughs> do you not record that process? Um, yeah, there's there's some in there. I think the most uh, relevant one is what I call the mend except persist piece. Um, I'm not sure I the video is recorded. I'm not sure I actually posted it yet. Sure. Um, but that piece is a bit of a different process than my other vessels because I kind of created the skeleton of it and then um, created smaller 
cuts of like very gently rolled rod to essentially fill in the space, the spaces within that skeleton. Um, And so that had a lot of kind of piecing together because I wasn't saying, okay, this strip of rod is going to go here. So I'm going to measure it, you know, six inches and then cut it and then place it there. I was basically like, okay, well, I need a handful of rod that is on the longer side and then, you know, medium and then shorter pieces and lined them up in order of height. And then, you know, started with the longest pieces to get that kind of first pass and then went smaller and smaller. And so with that, there was a lot of like, oh, does this look good here? Maybe it would be interesting at this other angle and kind of working it together that way. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm just curious because I'm really interested in metal sculpture, but haven't actually made anything really. And just through a lot of uh, experiences that I've had, I end up um, working with a lot of stuff that's um, more forged. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, maybe this is something I should kind of look into, like learning how to um, just fit these kind of pieces together. Cause this is just mostly they're, you know, bent um, or like, you know, yeah, rolled curved pieces of steel and then to connect it together to make these different forms. So it's a really interesting process. Yeah. I use my, uh, my motto is uh, uh, cut, bend, weld, persist, which is essentially <laughs> the process there. But yeah, I mean, and I am currently MIG welding as long as you have the equipment, which is its own barrier of entry. Um, you know, it definitely is a doable process. Um, yeah. Right. And even again, you could maybe I'll start with something. I was thinking of even just getting like smaller stuff and, you know, just get, you, you can get a torch from the hardware store and bray stuff together, which would be, you know, much smaller, you know, pieces. So maybe that's, uh, you know, something I need to probably add to my list of different uh, experiments and <laughs> things I try. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I don't even have a torch. I have, I have some friends have that who have then been trying to encourage me to invest in one, um, which I think could be a really interesting add to my process. But everything that I do now is cold rolled. Um, you know, I just have a, a manual bender and a manual roller, um, which is how I create all of my basic shapes. And, you know, with that restrictive process, that is why you see me return to basic geometry and then kind of mm-hmm take that as the basis and then see how I can kind of um, create more organic shapes out of there. But I kind of, you know, I think with creativity, even just in the medium you choose, which I'm sure you understand because it seems like you've played with a lot of mediums yourself is there's just apps. It's, it's infinity. I mean, like you could literally make absolutely anything you want in any medium. And as I said, even if you just have, six basic circles, you could still create anything. Um, And so saying, okay, the lines either have to be straight or I have to be able to bend them using my roller or my bender kind of puts those guidelines in place and kind of, you know, I think especially too, I'm working in my home studio by myself, you know, no one is telling me what to do, you know, or in like impressing themselves on me much. So it can literally be whatever I want to be, what whatever I want it to be. So to kind of put my own boundaries on it kind of gives me more liberty other than that kind of when you're staring at a blank page and being like, okay, what do I do now? Kind of making that box smaller and smaller for myself. Right. Yeah. If you had like just every tool available, you'd have too many options. It would be hard to, and you know, right now you can see you haven't hit any sort of limit to the different ways you can combine these shapes. So you don't need to, uh, yeah, you got, you know, you've just explored so many different, um, you know, ways to express yourself through this medium that you have. So pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah. I I mean, I have well, well over a hundred, completely unique vessels from one another um, just within using these tools and plenty more that I haven't made yet. So. So I think you talked about the fact that, you know, you had 
these different uh, art camps and you were able to explore other different types, types of creativity. Um, I didn't know if we get into it here. So yeah, it, it talked about, you know, different, um, you did some stuff with photography and also. Yeah. Um, I did, I got into photography in ninth grade and it was one of those summer camps, um, and got into, uh, digital photography and playing around with, uh, f-stop and shutter speed. And yeah, that was definitely my, my, my first real love with art, I think, um, at least with visual art, um, because I saw this opportunity to kind of find the beauty and the minute. I would go and take pictures of um, chain links or like, you know, in college, I did a whole photo shoot that I like went to a dumpster and just took pictures of trash. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just to be able to take a, a micro uh, um, a macro shot of like a yogurt cup that was flipped upside down with all this debris. And it kind of creates its own environment when it's all of a sudden, you know, not just this tiny yogurt cup, but as large as, you know, what you could see as a building compared to mm-hmm. your perspective. Um, so, yeah, I mean, photography was definitely um, a big love. And then, when I was in college, I did an internship with a um, food and lifestyle photographer. And that's where I learned all of my lighting um, and really how to do how to shoot like still life photography versus all the um, outdoor stuff I had been doing. Um, And I mean, I think photography is a perfect example of how any anything you learn can be applied to anything else like nothing is ever wasted and there ends up being so much overlap especially with different um like creative mediums um because once i got into my profession with visual design i had to do a lot of photoshop work and to be able to cut things out of their background or color correct um And I use it a lot in my sculpture as well, just in terms of like my understanding of composition and lighting um, and how light will affect a three dimensional piece. Um, And then I also think as a fine artist, it's really important to take good photos of your work because 90 percent of your audience is going to see it online. And if it doesn't, you know, already you're taking something three dimensional and flattening it and you're already losing so much that way. So if you can at least photograph it well, you can um, get it across as much um, as well as you can. Um, but also with my photography, I got really into stop motion animation. And so I think that that started blurring the lines of um, 2D and 3D. I did a um, stop motion piece where I had these little characters that were made out of wire so um and had like drawn um background so it let me use my interest in um photography uh 3d wire and illustration all in one piece so i think that there there's a lot of overlap yeah that's great and i'm always curious if um if people have any other connections to creativity such as um you know music dance, theater, um, you know, uh, creative writing, all those different things. I'm curious (laughs) how many different ways, uh, people can express themselves. Yeah, there, there's a lot of them. I was definitely that kid who could just like shut myself in my room for hours on end and be endlessly amused. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was really into writing growing up and that got, um, me interested in songwriting and I started playing the guitar. Um, which is very private and I do not put it on the internet like I do with my sculpture, but um, my writing I think is the main other creative um, outlet that's really still come through because my Patreon really lets me write these articles and essays and, you know, express my ideas about art and creativity, which is part of the fun for me. You know, it's not just about, the art process itself and the physical creations I make, but I think a lot about what it means to be creative, um, to be an artist and how it's basically a, 
a choice that you make of how you want to live your life. And um, to be able to ruminate about that while I'm creating, and then to be able to express it in words and not just through my creations is really empowering. Um, that's that has stayed alive. Yeah, that's great. I don't enjoy writing. Um, <laughs> I understand how it can be useful. And um, over time, I've Try, you know, experimented with trying to express myself that way. And I don't know, I think I just don't have patience to, because I'm not interested in making, using the perfect words and revising things and trying to, <laughs> so I, most of my writing, it ends up being very conversational and pretty much the same way that I would speak to someone. So, and I think that's good enough. So then I <laughs> will publish something. So, you know, over over time, I've done, you know, experimentally done writing and posted it on my website. Um, but then I think that's probably why I have a podcast instead, because then I don't have to do um, a lot of editing or <laughs> going back and I just kind of um, explore, you know, the ideas, you know, in a conversation. So I think yeah, definitely. I mean, it's most important to get the ideas out there, regardless of how they're portrayed. So, um, yeah, to be able to just have it be more conversational lends itself well to podcasts. So I think that's why it's important to keep trying out different mediums because it doesn't mean if you don't like writing, then you don't have anything to say or you shouldn't say what you're thinking that maybe there's just another mode to express that. Um, but I've always oh, been definitely. obsessed with words. So, <laughs> um, so that has definitely lent itself well, but I mean, you, you seem like you've explored a lot of different media. Do you have like one true love or what has drawn you to uh, experiment in the ways you have. Yeah, I think it's uh, a short attention span and just uh, curiosity. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because again, I you know, as a kid, I was always drawing or you know, doing whatever you know, Lego and different, just always different things, um, trying to understand how things work. Uh, my dad was into like he studied like how to repair radios and TVs and stuff back when there were tubes and TVs. Um, <laughs> And he, again, then he brought that into computers back when they were, uh, you know, a novelty, the size of a room. <laughs> so we always had all different types of technology and things around. Um, but again, I tried to study electronics and that I thought, oh, I should be good at this, but I never really excelled at that. So I just kind of moved on. Um, computer programming and stuff was something I've done on and off, ended up doing it professionally for a while, but never really studied it but yeah so i'd always just been curious and interested in things and i think the two things that i've stuck with the longest would be is uh printmaking and explored that through like you know linoleum uh printmaking and screen printing and then just i when we had the woodshop class back in like seventh grade um i just always loved the bandsaw so then after whatever, 25, 30 years, I bought a bandsaw and I like using it, but I still don't really, I haven't turned that into art necessarily yet, but, or even like really learned, um, everything I can about that. So it's just more about experimenting and trying new things. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, people really love the jigsaw with woodworking. You can create some really unique shapes. Um, no, but that's great. I mean, what you're saying, I think, is the key to creativity is just being a curious person and being right. willing to learn and to fail and to face problems and, you know, not get deterred, but actually try to work through them. Um, so it seems like that is has worked well for you. Um. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, and I did go to school for graphic design for a short while, but oh, I cool. never. And that's how actually that's how I discovered printmaking again and probably have like all the like basic skills on how to design something, even if I don't really, you know, I never got a job doing graphic design or visual design. So it just uh, things just didn't work out that way. So um, sometimes it's I've a blessing. To, yeah, I think so. 
Um, cause I wouldn't want to work necessarily just work in an advertising company. And I've discovered probably I'm not, um, definitely not cut out to work in like a large organization. So consulting or, you know, freelancing is definitely, um, a better role for me <laughs> that I found over the years. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that fits with the creative brain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I noticed, like, I think it's one of your latest Patreon posts that you were talking just about, um, you know, an expansive view of creativity. So it's not, um, it's, I guess it's, I, I don't know if it's less academic, but it's, you're not looking at it like through a fine art lens, but more of a, again, it's the same thing of a, a way to explore and just, you know, find whatever inspiration you can out in the world. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that in the fine art world, people can get, you know, feel a little elevated and that can kind of be a restricting environment. Um, and it's something that I've thought a lot about, I think, especially in the age of e-commerce and being able to put your work online um, that the, the world between being a craftsperson and being a fine artist is starting to blur. Um, and, you know, I think the only restrictions there may be more societal in certain people's mindsets, but that kind of got my thought process going towards the, like, what does that actually mean to be an artist or be creative? And I think that a lot of people end up deterred like I hear so many people say oh I'm so bad at drawing I'm just I'm not creative and it's like okay well you don't have to be able to pick up a piece like a, a pencil and that's what defines whether you're a creative person or not and I've seen so many people in my life that aren't quote-unquote creative that have so much curiosity and are strong learners and have a lot to share and some like really unique thought process and I'm like why doesn't that qualify as being creative. Um, and I, I think that the term is an important one. I think it's an empowering one. Um, this might get like a little existential, but I do kind of see, you know, one reason why I really enjoy making art is that I kind of see it as like directly interacting with my existence, if that makes sense. It's like, it's a very life affirming you know, there's this level of presence and being in the moment and um, bringing something into creation and working with your hands, um, you know, doing something that is uniquely you and expressing your voice in some unique way. And, um, you know, I think too many people deny themselves that just because of the terminology around it or the restrictions that they think are in place of what defines that um and that i don't know it is something that I, we spend so much time on our phones these days and if i spend a long time scrolling and i put my phone down it's kind of energy draining and i like don't really feel super connected with myself and then i'll go in the studio and spend an hour and have my music on and i'm singing and dancing and making something new. And it's just like incredibly invigorating. And so that kind of got me thinking about, you know, what else other than just metalworking gives me that feeling and how can I find more of that? And, you know, sometimes it's just like being out in nature and right. looking at some really interesting stuff that maybe if you were just, you know, running or biking that you wouldn't pick up, but if you go slow and take your time and, notice you know the leaves changing um it's just kind of being really present um and can be really inspirational yeah i that's great i mean think that um that's probably <laughs> that kind of perspective is probably what made me want to talk to you um you know on the show because um i talk about that a lot about how i not i don't care about the definition of art um, as like things that are in a museum and, you know, or a gallery or someone who's, you know, a fine artist or a professional artist. I mean, that's definitely one way to 
look at it, but it's it's restrictive and it's boring and uh, <laughs> and doesn't doesn't help us you know communicate and understand what it really means to to be an artist or a creative person you know so I like try to look at art as more um, if you're what makes you an artist is how you interact with the world what you pay attention to and the fact that you can pay attention and notice things like again same thing you were saying um, because I think that's that's what makes people interesting. And those are kind of the creative people that I, you know, I end up being drawn to and find these people who just can't stop paying attention <laughs> to things and can't stop noticing things. Um, so I came up with uh, a new word for that because artists seemed like, you know, something that oh, what just is, it? <laughs> is hard for people to, <laughs> um, you know, it makes it hard to, you know, talk to people about these kind of things. So I just call them a creative weirdos because they're people who can't <laughs> stop, you know, learning new things and can't stop, you know, you know, the people who do like stop and look at a rock or, you know, look up in the sky, you know, who are always looking up and noticing the clouds or whatever it is. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I'm I'm glad you have that same perspective because I don't know. I think it, it really helps me just realize how important it is to be present and, you know, be thankful for the present moment. There's, I feel like these days there's just infinite distractions and you never have to be bored if you don't want to. And it's easier said than done. I haven't really achieved it, but like, I want to allow my life to have more moments of boredom or of, of quiet to be able to see what my brain might come up with if there isn't a television show on. Um, yeah. Definitely. It's, you know, like you said, getting out into nature and just, you know, trying to, yeah, turn things off, turn off your brain and just like let things happen, you know, around you and, and, you know, pay attention and start noticing. You're going to start noticing different things. I think that's why people, you know, go on vacation, travel to different places, explore around the world. And it can, it doesn't have to be, you know, on a different continent. You don't have to get on an airplane. You can just explore a different way of getting to work, walk um, places instead of driving or, you know, ride your bike just, and you'll start to see different things. I even, you know, walk, there's a trail that's near my house and, you know, I'll walk my dog every day and I always notice different things. There could be um, sometimes, um, you know, there's uh, leaves or whatever, and the wind will blow them into a certain weird patterns. And I'll notice those on the ground. And there's just, if you, you know, just start paying attention, the more you start looking and noticing and paying attention, the more you'll see. And then it kind of, it builds on itself. And it's kind of a, a feedback loop where you, the more you try to pay attention, the more things you'll notice. And that'll make you, you know, want to pay attention more. Exactly. No, that's, that's well said. I, I also think that even if it, it doesn't even have to go as far to be like, okay, well, I'm going to stay off social media and I'm not going to watch right. TV and then I'll be able to, you know, find these moments. I'm starting to look at it of like, okay, if I read a lot of fiction, what if I go and read something nonfiction or sci-fi or, you know, if I've been watching a lot of like modern rom-coms, what if I go and watch a movie that's in black and white or, you know, like change up my, my music genre and try something I don't usually listen to. Like, how can you find variety even within your media um, to try to, I think it can help change your perspective or kind of change up your brainwaves a little bit and start looking at things differently. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. I never thought about that, but I'm sure that's definitely happening, even if you're not paying attention to it. So yeah, yeah. And again, I think it's the same idea is, you know, paying attention to not just the world around you, but to what's happening yeah, inside yourself, right in your brain and like what pay attention to the things that you're noticing and, you know, how that makes you feel or how, you know, that sparks like new ideas. And that's also a feedback loop of being, you know, your self-awareness of just what you know what you pay attention to if you just again same thing uh pay attention to what you're you know what you're looking at and then 
yeah, just try to make one change and see where that goes. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that's why I decided to, you know, share my art out. I think that it's totally, you know, valent to make your art in private and not share it. That's totally valid. Um, but why I like putting it out in the world is to meet other passionate people and people like you that think about things in some unique way and explore those curiosities. And like, maybe if I'm out there doing something weird as you would say and creative that it might make someone be like, Oh, like, what do I enjoy doing? What could I do? That's different than what I do for my day job or what I do most days or like, how can I work with my hands or, you know, explore my set of values or, you know, maybe I can bring something into this world that wouldn't be there if I didn't make it. Um, or like, maybe I have something to say and I wouldn't have even known that it was something I wanted to say until I started, you know, folding paper into weird shapes and something came out of me, you know? So that's, that's my goal with it. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that, yeah, having access to these other creative people, so many people I meet are like, I didn't know there was anybody else like me. Right. So then they found these people on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or wherever. Um, Cause not everybody has that experience. Not everybody went to art school. If you go to art school, you're going to be surrounded by other creative people who are all looking at something from a different perspective. And, you know, th again, yeah, you build, you build off of that uh, energy and just seeing how other people look at things is inspiring and, it affects you. And so now that we have access to all these other creative people, <laughs> you know, it's, um, you know, and it, it's great because you're getting to see people who didn't go to art school, who look at things in a totally different way, not, you know, the way that a lot of, you know, everybody who went to art school kind of, <laughs> you know, you learn very similar things and you're going to have your unique perspective, but then you can find someone who's never been to art school and they are looking at things from a totally different way that you would have never, you know, never imagined um, because they have such a wide experience. And then again, you're going to meet people from different parts of the country, different parts of the world, again, who have a different perspective. So, and the willingness for people to share what they're doing, share their learning process, not just the finished product is I think what's, you know, seems to be causing this, you know, just explosion of more people figuring out how to be creative and how to express themselves. For sure. I mean, the only warning out here, I think the only flip side of it is that it's really easy to see all these people doing all these things. And instead of being inspired, that it can kind of have that negative reaction. and. So I think like something I'm trying to be conscious of with my own output is like creating those process videos and stuff can make it just seem like I'm producing, 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 and it's all about productivity and I'm out in the studio every single night and it has to be this super dedicated practice or else don't even bother. And I think to right. be able to like take a step back and being like, okay, well, what if I don't hit X, Y, Z goal? Is this still worth pursuing? Like what's the actual reason am I pursuing it? I'm not pursuing it so that I can put it online and get likes and shares. You know, I'm pursuing mm -hmm. it because it fulfills me in some deeper way. So to be able to like be inspired, but also be able to take a step back and not have it be this direct comparison, I think is a really important line to walk. Oh, definitely. I'm sure that it goes back and forth and I have to very carefully, you know, again, curate like what I'm paying attention to mm -hmm. and how I'm thinking about it. And remember that, yeah, I'm not trying to compare myself to other people, but just like taking that as inspiration and not, yeah, <laughs> not trying to um, keep up with anyone. And it's always, a, always a struggle. Um, you have to stay conscious of it. It sneaks up on yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cause I remember, so one of the first things I started doing when I was started sharing stuff was um, a lot of people, even if they weren't, um, you know, weren't getting 
you know, a lot of subscribers or views or anything were sharing like some of their process, like in YouTube videos. And if you like making YouTube videos, that can be great and it can be a good part of your process. But if that is a struggle and it's difficult, that's not for you. So, <laughs> so that, that was very difficult for me, but then luckily I did find that people were using like Instagram, which is a lot, you can just take a picture of something and share that. And it doesn't even have to be, um, you know, doesn't have to be a finished product. doesn't have to be, um, doesn't have to be a large effort to share something. It's just more about being a part of the community and, um, you know, finding other people who also want to just, you know, share what they're doing and, you know, communicate with each other, right? They're, they're not doing it to, um, they're not doing it to, you know, show off or do anything, but they're doing it to, as part of, you know, the process of learning and, you know, again, just finding other people who are also doing it. So that's, yeah, yeah it's always, a, it's always a struggle because there's definitely people who you look and they're like, oh, they have like 50,000 followers, they have 100,000 followers, and you're like, I have 500 followers. And that's not, that's not what it's about, right? Because if, again, if you had found 500 people who are interested in your stuff, and they all came over to your house, that would be... Exactly. <laughs> it would be overwhelming. It might be amazing. It might be <laughs> a disaster, but um, it's definitely, you know, not something you'd imagine, so... Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think I think you make a great point. Like, it really it comes down to that sense of community and as amazing as those moments where I, I had a show um, in September and got to get a ton of people together in one spot and look at and talk about art in person. And it was this amazing experience. And it's like, that's community that creates a sense of belonging. And like, that's what it's all about. And then you go home and you're like, okay, well, that's great, but that's also the 10% of the experiences. And in 2023, you know, 90% of those interactions are online. And how do you yeah. build community this day and age? It's online. So to be able to make it work in order, because it is worth those connections, like how many people I've met um, just through those platforms that I never would have gotten in touch with otherwise, it, it makes it worth it. And to meet other creative folks and find that other people are pursuing their passions is incredibly invigorating. So. Yep. Yeah. I don't, it's, um, yeah, I don't even know. It's so hard to describe unless you know, you've actually experienced it. So I'm not sure. <laughs> and maybe, you know, again, I don't know if I have a, any deep philosophical way to look at it. And again, I've just been, around for a long time. So I think I'm able to, again, reflect on how I'm interacting with this, this, this community, these other people. And so I'm able to have some perspective of that. And also, you know, I have a job, I'm busy, so I don't <laughs> spend all my time on it. Um, I mean, so you take, you make the time to make connections like this happen, which I think are even more impactful than, you know, messaging somebody on Instagram to be able to look at somebody's face and sit down and have a dedicated conversation about art is pretty amazing. So thank you for doing that. Oh yeah. Um, creating, creating <laughs> thank spaces you for online. being a part of it. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, again, it, I've, you know, definitely had so many amazing interactions. A lot of the people that I talked to at the beginning are people I have met in real life and it's interesting. So, you know, spend a lot of time with these people and then get to sit down here and have a completely different conversation and learn things about people <laughs> that, you know, you think, you know, Hey, these are my friends. I know these people and you're still always learning something new. So I love that experience. Yeah. Rich interior lives that don't come out in other social situations. Yeah, that's great. So one of the things I thought was interesting, this is a post you posted on Patreon a little while ago. Um, it's about that you had someone post a negative comment and then, Someone else um, also commented and they said uh, the broader purpose of art appreciation was cultivating the ability to marvel at random details in life. And I think that that's really the most important thing is, yeah, being able to notice those things and being able to appreciate all the different um, details in the world around you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that, that's funny. You read that post. I was thinking about that the other day because it is 
it is kind of funny how easy it is to like look and be like, oh yeah, I could do that in two seconds. It's like, okay, but did you? Like, right. <laughs> if you would, you know, it it might be something that you would have been proud of, even if you look at my work and think, oh, that was easy to make. That doesn't have value. If you took the time and made it with your own two hands, I'm sure you'd find the value. Um, but yeah, I mean, something that was great with that interaction was like how many online arguments actually end with people agreeing and being like, oh, yeah, maybe I should slow down and and marvel at the world a little bit more. It's like, wow, it actually it actually spurred a conversation. And I think that's what art is all about. Like, you don't have to like my work. You know, not everyone should like your work. There should be some controversy. You should be pushing right. the limits um, and and, you know, talking to somebody, not everybody. Um, mm -hmm. and so, you know, even if your art elicits, elicits a reaction that's not positive, it's still eliciting a reaction. They're still stopping for a moment and going, ugh. And then like, <laughs> right. what if you stop for a moment and be like, wait, why did that make me upset? And right. maybe it made them upset because they were a metal worker and didn't take enough time to really experiment and see how they could be creative with their craft or, you know. Maybe it's something they've always wanted to do, but never could. And then they see some woman online doing it and be like, boo, you know, so <laughs> it's, there's right. always, there's always like a, some subconscious something that comes up. Um, so I hope that person is able to stop and marvel, not only at art, but at the, at the small moments. Right. And it, it makes me curious because if, Whenever I, and again, this is how I kind of got to the concept of this podcast was if you search for like, why, why should we teach creativity in school? It always goes back to, um, if you learn how to be creative and do problem solving, you'll be better at your job and you know, that will be better for business. It's better for the economy. And that's, uh, I hope that's not the only <laughs> <laughs> way not. that we teach creativity because um, again yeah if um if we teach people again like why it's valuable to pay attention why it's valuable to notice things and you know pay attention to the world around you and appreciate it then you'll still be creative and you'll be able to take all those different experiences and you will be able to combine them in new ways and that probably would be good for your your job is to be able to you know make interesting connections and solve problems um but hopefully it's not just at work and you can do that uh throughout your whole life <laughs> exactly and I, I think it's especially important with kids but like i mean even for me now like as i said it it teaches me so much about myself of my process or how I react when I hit roadblocks or how I chose to go about something or all the other thoughts that start, you know, coming to light when I'm working on something else and the new ideas that it inspires. I think it, it teaches you a lot about who you are and how you think and how you problem solve, um, which is applicable to, to your rest, to the rest of your life. And I think the better that you understand yourself in that way it easily translates to relating to other people and to be able to recognize that their thought process might be different from you and that that's not a negative thing but something that's valuable oh definitely i think yeah again uh being able to have that self-reflection and use uh, your experiences to understand yourself is an important thing to learn and it takes a long time and yeah again it's probably not something that uh we're directly teaching in school but hopefully as we, you know, show people um, ways to explore the world and be creative that they'll, uh, you know, it'll, it'll rub off and <laughs> more people will be able to uh, have that experience. Yeah, for sure. I definitely want to thank you for uh, hanging out with me today. I got a lot to think about. I always uh, discover and learn something, you know, that I wasn't expecting. Um, so I didn't know we were going to get, you know, quite that, uh, <laughs> go in that direction so i appreciate uh appreciate that yeah no thank you i really appreciate you reaching out and um i love to talk about art so this is this is that's great, great. really appreciate it cool 
Um, where can people uh, find your work and see what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, Patreon's definitely the best spot. I'm just at Jill Jacobs. Um, you can find me there. And that's where you can really see my whole journey um, in real time. But I'm also uh, at jilljacobs.sculpture on Instagram. And my website's jilljacobsculpture.com. Great. Um, cool. And uh, Patreon is also where you can <laughs> find a little bit more of this show. You And um, get a, you can get access to our after show if you support the show on Patreon and get a little bit more conversation with our guests. And I want to thank my top patrons, uh, Ed Johns, Brian Callahan, and Sean Beckner. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making problems to solve you can uh, follow the show on instagram at making problems to solve and you can follow me on instagram at dave bauer art uh thanks again for talking to me thanks dave <laughs>